I'm Daniel Kettler. I'm Jan Timo, and we're the founders of Icona. We're thrilled to welcome you to the very first episode of our new podcast, Icona Collective. Icona's Cry. You poets, painters, sculptors, musicians, if you have understood your true mission and the concerns of art itself, then take up your pen, your brush, your burin for the cause of revolution. Peter Kapotkin, Words of a Rebel. What importance is there in the arts? What function does it serve? other than to reaffirm small, juvenile ideas of beauty already firmly implanted in our mind. The modern mind has virtually no openness, and those who do are thus completely alienated, hard-pressed to find for themselves a community that acknowledges the depths latent in art. Nothing can speak to the modern mind but what it already knows. Affirmation upon reaffirmation of the same old tropes, always for the sake of that which is infinitely hollow. They enjoy roses, ornament and dogma, or else novelty, cynicism, and soulless abstraction. There is either helpless regurgitation in the modern mind or gluttonous devouring. One might call the first case a conservative mind and the second a liberal one. They're substantially the same in essence though. Both are spending about as much time on beauty as one spends on jacking off or inebriation. It takes only a moment and without any positive development. Our culture is weak. It was built not for beauty or truth, but for capital and cyclicality. It is incredibly miraculous if there can be found a spark of beauty anywhere here. People are so very individualized in this cesspool, left with only themselves to seek out the perennial philosophy that beauty has always reflected. Where is the way out? What culture can we seek out? Beauty is made to be nothing more than a matter of taste and preference. Would we really be so careless, forcing beauty to enter an unwanted life of prostitution for those who might fancy it for a night? We needn't look nostalgically to any individual culture for what might be meant by beauty. We are not seeking to be tribal. We must look to the totality of human history at every corner to discover the perennial philosophy of all things. Look to the indigenous peoples of your land for aid. Look to your own ancestry. Look to the civilizations of past and present. Take it all in as if you couldn't breathe prior to this moment. You'll find that though this young culture is mostly grotesque, it will reform when it ceases to be so solipsistic. Be in community. Argue and scream about what is beautiful if you have to. Come to some sort of consensus because beauty is not a fancy. It is a means of mysticism, calling from your ego all kinds of reform. We must change our lives. Thank you for joining us. You were listening to a piece written by Daniel Kettler uh, about a week ago. And now we're going to ask him what the heck he meant. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, what is What did I mean? (laughs) Um, I meant what I said, but... Uh, (laughs) but to be less 
serious and intense um, without music. Basically, what I meant is that I feel, and I think a lot of people feel, that our culture is lacking in aesthetic things, but not just aesthetic things, but on a deeper level, um, a sort of foundation for aesthetic things and a sort of metaphysical foundation for aesthetic things, a reason for why things are um, pretty or beautiful or aesthetic, Um, a reason that isn't just intellectual, but that is kind of spiritual even. Um, And so for me, the whole question of beauty is a question of spirituality. And I just feel that our culture doesn't necessarily value that. And, and instead of that, they value uh, themselves. Themselves, <laughs> yes. But then also, just like they 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 value the their income and you know ma- making a living for reasonable. It's completely reasonable. Um, but they don't necessarily have the time or the resources to find something that is beautiful and that would change their lives. You know, that would actually impact them. What? Why do they need to? change their lives you keep saying that but i don't i don't want to change my i like my (laughs) life what are you going to tell me um i mean i feel that a lot of people don't go to church and they don't go to like a sort of community anymore that would actually tell you to change your life they have to Mm -hmm. they don't want to be told what to do and this is understandable obviously but i think that it's very important to be allowed to be um like to confront people and to say things that are important, but to be convicted, to be convicted. Yeah. And the question why though, why you must change your life. Um, it's not a sort of like condescension. It, it's more of a, uh, it happens on its own anyway. Like you're constantly growing and you're constantly changing, but to do so consciously is the goal. And, mm-hmm. um, don't let yourself be swayed by habits and things that you don't want to be swayed by. Yeah. Let it be conscious. What is... Icona, what is what does the name Icona mean? Hmm. Um, so the name Icona comes from the Greek word. It means icon or image. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it in the Greek, but I think it's gen- Icona, something like that. <laughs> I think yeah, exactly. I got it right. It's something, it's, <laughs> I'm sure he got it right. Um, it probably somebody Greek hearing this is like, who are these guys? Um, but it's from the Greek, and where we got it from is. Uh, the Bible, actually, the New Testament. Um, St. Paul talks about um, in, I think, Romans, not exactly sure which book, but that we'd be formed into the image of Christ. Um, He uses the word icona in that. And so in Christian history, uh, a lot of churches, um, you know, they, they also use that word and it's not just image, it meant icon and if you know anything about the Greek Orthodox Church or just Orthodox churches in general, you see a lot of icons. You see a lot of images. You know, there is this whole debate. It's called iconoclasm um, where they wanted to get rid of all these icons of 
Jesus or God or saints or Moses and people, you know, because they thought that somehow that didn't, that didn't, that wasn't right. And the reason for that was they thought that God was so pure and so beyond images and words that you can't um, paint him or, or, or turn him into art in any way. Mm-hmm. And you got to be careful not to idolize the art itself. And I, yeah. I think that might've been one of the, one of that the was, arguments, right? Like don't idolize the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I mean, there was a, bit of, there was a debate and I think it was, I don't remember exactly which year, but it was pre 1000 AD um, where they decided that actually icons were fine because they were able to come up with a theology that would represent it um, and do so without idolatry. Um, there's this guy, John of Damascus, and, and he was the leading figure in this. Um, anyways, all this to say that what is this theology that they came up with? Why was it okay? Um, the word iconic speaks to that. And basically what it is talking about is a piece of art, uh, painting, anything that is um, artistically generally is not an end in itself. This is where idolatry comes in is because it's an end in itself. It's not supposed to be. Instead, it's supposed to be, you can say, a sort of portal into something beyond, um, which kind of stops you and actually it doesn't let you idolize this thing because this thing is supposed to speak to something beyond itself. Um, it's never it's never just speaking about itself in the same way that kind of nothing in reality speaks of itself that you see. Um, something you can always see something spiritual in, 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 in God's creation um, coming from this, coming from this background. Um, it's always kind of, and especially when it's artistic, cause then it's on purpose. Um, so they were able to think of it in that way and they honor the, 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 the history of the church. It honors art um, as a means of kind of communion with God. Um, Iconas on that same, like we believe the same thing pretty much. Um, whether or not you're a Christian, but we just believe that art speaks of something deeper and it's supposed to pull you outside of itself, not art for art's sake, but art for the sake of, you know, communion with God or transcendence, or you can use a lot of different types of words. Yeah, so we can we can talk about more on the more practical level, like what is Icona more practically speaking? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to briefly explain, it's a production company at the same time as a collective of artists, mm-hmm. multidisciplinary artists. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're located in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're looking for all types of different artists who believe in our vision and who would just be interested in um, collaborating on projects that were not possible in just their own medium of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I always use this analogy, like what if an architect meets a musician or like a visual effects person and just decide to do something together? Uh, what if you create an environment where that is possible? Like what would happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, like we truly believe that every art form is connected to one another 
We don't really think that, you know, oh, if you're a musician, then you shouldn't be talking to photographers, for example. No, everything is connected in one way or another. Yeah. Um, and so what Icona aims to do is to bring those different art forms together um, and be a production company for both passion projects as well as client projects um, in our Vancouver community first <laughs> and maybe national later on. <laughs> yeah, international. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's totally true. <clears throat> the biggest thing, one of the biggest visions of Icona for sure is this multidisciplinary aspect. It's very exciting. Um, <clears throat> it's just the idea that different specializations whether they're, I'm a filmmaker or like uh, they're a photographer or um, an architect, a musician, all these types of things. There's a weird kind of specialization in our like way of thinking in our culture where people don't talk and they have their own jobs. And if you interact as two different types of, if not artists and just like craftspeople or whatever, um, you have a sort of handshake business kind of, um, agreement with this other person on how, you, how you're going to work. Mm -hmm. Maybe you license music from somebody else because you really need music. You don't actually personally know a lot of musicians. And if you do, maybe you're not into them. So you have to have, you have to go look somewhere else. And it's like the, the social level of, of art is kind of, it's, it's missing something. Mm -hmm. um, and why doesn't an architect talk to um, a musician, for example? I mean, they definitely did. And, or an engineer talk to a music, musician and talking to an architect because let's say a cathedral, like they definitely did those things because mm -hmm. they needed music in the buildings. And that's where so, the most beautiful projects come mm -hmm. from. <laughs> you can tell, right? Like people yeah. travel to Rome, people travel to like Europe and they don't travel to the ugly buildings. They travel to the cathedrals and yeah. things like this. Um, and I think that's telling. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and you know, those, those cathedrals and all of those... Um, projects of the past they were not created with human intent they were not really created mm -hmm. for humans but they were created for God or for a spiritual I don't know experience that humans were after and so that just tells us that um, we should be creating for something more than ourselves we should as like, like as Icona what we want to do is we want to bring all our work forth and we want to make sure that that work is speaking to this thing that we're talking about right now, that it always kind of references or insinuates um, something more, you know? It, we want to make sure that when people see the artwork that we make, um, when it's when it's like a passion project, for example, especially, um, that something spiritual would come across or some, something deep, um, something that isn't just aesthetic, that isn't just feeling, but also isn't just intellectual. There's no like, there's no split there. Um, we want to focus on that more important spiritual aspect that, you know, we referenced in the last little, that I referenced in the thing that I wrote, that, you know, the experience of beauty changes us. It's like a sort of, I call, I use the word mysticism. It's, it's sort of like, you know, intuition that transforms us. Okay, I have a question. Oh, okay. Um, so there are, there have been so far, a lot of people that we've met. Um, 
that are really aligned with the vision that we have, like mm-hmm. that, you know, um, are very into the idea of the word Icona or mm-hmm. they're very into this thing about beauty. and Or they just like the logo. They just really <laughs> like the logo. Adam Combs. <laughs> Wait, not Adam. Oh, yeah. Adam likes the logo. Well, you mean he yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out, to Adam, out to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Follow him. Um, great photographer, great guy. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that are into what we're talking about and we've kind of begun to build what you could call a, a collective mm-hmm. um, of just kind of friends, you know. Yeah. Um, but we're thinking about going kind of more into that. And what do you think that might look like? What, what does that even mean, like Icona Collective? Yeah, well, it for sure has to start with a strong foundation of people who truly believe in the vision, people who are ready to, um, you know, give their everything into it. And I think we're pretty lucky with the people that we already have. Um, yeah, and I think in the future, we would absolutely love to collaborate with more people uh, in the city and outside who share the same passion as we do. Um, mm. And, you know, the more people we meet, the better, because, you know, everyone has their own different creative touches that they could bring to the team. And, um, yeah, we're just super excited to meet more people who believe in the same passion, believe in the same vision, and who can bring different skill sets to the team. Um, and, yeah, just inspire us for unprecedented projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And, um, you know, an- another thing that we're, we're dreaming about is just that this collective could, well, get bigger, but what, what, what that would mean is that we would all have a, not just like co- a common passion, but like maybe even themes, right? Like mm-hmm. projects that we could all work on together. Referencing back on the idea of like an architect talking to a musician, talking to a filmmaker, talking to a painter, you know? Um, what if, in a collective, in a sort of social circle, it's a business, but it's more of, importantly a collective, right? Um, what if these people were collaborating on art um, and bouncing off ideas from each person's specialization, so that so that the specializations can kind of blur, um, you know, and work on big projects, big ideas, big themes, big things that were very you know, passionate about um, beginning in Vancouver for sure, but then maybe eventually going bigger. Yeah, yeah, we definitely want to provide that opportunity to not just create, you know, passion projects, but also, you know, do it for a living. Because that's true too. If yeah. you, yeah. you know, if you're able to uh, make your hobby into your job and actually enjoy doing what you love for, you know, for the rest of your life, then that's a that's a that's a that's a good place to be. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's a person that I would absolutely love to work with because you know they they love what they what they do and they're able to make a living out of it and so mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely our goal to create that environment where we can um yeah totally yeah c- um connect the clients who believe in our vision and the artists who believe in the same vision to uh work together yeah yeah that's definitely true um the the, the aspect of actually being able to make a living with what we're doing is obviously big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we'd have a sort of collaborate, the same collaborative spirit that we'd have with each other. We want to have with clients and we we don't want to have with people that have, I don't know, a sort of not only a big idea, but the money behind it. And they'd want a team and they'd want a team of people that um, were in 
community because if that if they weren't in community, of course there would be less efficiency. There'd be less um, just quality. Yeah, there's no speaking. unity. There's when no you unity. Bring a bunch of people who are not even friends together. No, it's exactly. like how do you? You know, you invite a photographer and a videographer to a wedding and you tell them to both do their job. Like they're going to get into each other's shots. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) I know that from (laughs) experience. It's like they have to be friends Uh and they will know, okay, like I'm going to go from the left, you go from the right. And this is just like a practical experience, but it gets gets you the picture. um, Mm -hmm. And friends would be able to surpass that. Like friends would be like, they'd have a level of understanding which you kind of need, you know, um, in order to do your best work. I mean, you, you know that you, you hear that directors constantly pick the same actors like Christopher Nolan, for yeah. example, constantly picking the same actors again and again, not because he's lazy and dumb because he's actually really smart. And he realizes that, well, this, these guys understand me. I understand them. They understand each other. There's a level of like, wow, this is, I don't know. Creativity sparks a lot more strongly or quickly when, um, when there's community. something we haven't mentioned is that we recently shot a film Mm -hmm. which we should probably mention um we don't know the name yet it's film zero 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 right now because we're just putting it on we start counting from zero yeah and we want to see how programmers (laughs) like programmers um and want to see how many we make before we die Mm -hmm. um it's kind of on what this podcast is is this episode is on it's just what is beauty what is icona that's kind of what the film is and so you see somebody's rowing and that person you could say is just, it represents somebody living their life and he's wandering in the same way that the person's rowing the boat. Um, he's covered in black tar because everybody's covered in something. Everybody's a bit roughed up. Um, they have marks on their body. They have a history, in other words. Um, and, you know, that it's just all over his body and he's he's not, he hasn't been clean and it's kind of taking over his consciousness he's distracted he's just like you know he's he's dirty he's dirty how can you not notice that you're dirty um uh an analogy is sin right you might say that we are all you don't have to use the word sin but we're all not as good as we can be and we know that that has to do with our history and it has to do with what influences us Mm -hmm. anyway you're wandering in life he's rowing a boat um it's nighttime and the reason that it's nighttime is because he's in a reflective time um in life He's rowing, and the next thing you know, you see light emanating from the water. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of a, it's a very specific point, and it's just coming from the water, and it's bright, and it's golden. Um, and the character is obviously like, what? Goes towards it, um, rows towards it until his boat's on top of it. And as he gets closer and closer and closer, the light becomes brighter and brighter and brighter until you're, he, until he's there, and he stands up. And the light's overtaken him and he's in a bit of an ecstasy. Um, this is the experience of beauty. And and so um, after the light scene, what is the symbolism of the film's ending? Um, so after the light scene, which is just the experience of beauty, you know, um, the character kind of, it cuts to a scene where the character is with a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, the same golden light that you see from the water is on the horse and the character is petting the horse, um, covered in tar. Um, this just symbolizes the need to move forward after your experience with beauty. 
not just move forward, but like to to deliberately make a move for you know change in your life to actually like because you know you ride a horse and and you obviously go to your destination with a horse. Um, the same sense after the experience of beauty, we're we're trying to imply that you have to not just be like that was nice, how pretty, or wow that was deep, or anything's you know you're supposed to actually make some sort of substantial change in your life it's supposed to integrate this that experience into your life um and that's the symbology of the horse so you know it's a short film really short film it's the first film and it's all about that experience of beauty that we're trying to talk about here we're talking your heads off so yeah this is like the introduction to icona in a way so Mm -hmm. we're excited for the release of that film it is currently in toronto being developed <laughs> yes so yeah it's coming soon coming soon Woo-hoo. so in the future we plan to use this podcast to kind of um both keep ourselves accountable about creating as well as just sharing our process and letting people Um, kind of see how the story progresses if we ever you know make it then uh, it's going to be a cool piece of documentation of where we started and so yeah well thank you everyone for joining um yeah we appreciate the community that is here with us that you know keeps us inspired that we get to inspire as well and uh yeah tune in next time